Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Um, a key uh, issue in practice, well, one could say that um, the, the essence of practice is coming into balance. The, the teachings of the Buddha are called the middle path, the middle way. The in-between from grasping or pushing away just to find a balance where you're neither moving away or moving towards experience, but simply centered right in the middle of experience and opening to it just as as it is. And there is many lists that point to this idea of balance from the seven factors of enlightenment, which are balancing energizing or arousing factors like investigation and energy and joy with stilling factors of calm, concentration, and equanimity. And mindfulness is the one that balances those two different energies. Uh, the, the five spiritual facul- faculties also are a balancing list. Mindfulness in the center, concentration balanced with, um, with energy, and wisdom balanced with faith. <clears throat> we say one needs to have a balance of effort in doing the, the practice um, skillfully. There's a, a famous um, uh, anecdote of somebody from the, in the time of the Buddha who was having a really uh, difficult time with his practice he was trying so hard, so earnestly, um, and he was getting really caught up and tight and uh, frustrated and getting headaches, and it just was not working, getting really restless and and uh, um, uh, anxious about practice. And, and the Buddha said, this is too much. You, you, you can't practice with that kind of tension. And he, he said to the, the fellow, uh, he happened to remember that this, this monk was a musician in his, uh, before he joined the order. He said, weren't you a musician? He said, yes, that's right. What did you play? I played the lute. And the, the Buddha says, well, what happened when you, when you have the, the strings of the lute too tight? oh, well, you don't get the right note. It's too high. And what happens when the strings of the lute are too loose? Oh, you don't get the right note. It's, it's too low. And he said, just the same way with practice, you can't be too tight and you can't be too loose. That if you find just, just the balance, the right amount of effort, right amount of tension where you are here 
but not struggling. And there's a kind of ease as well as um, um, an energy that you put into it. Then things unfold naturally. And in that balance of effort, uh, it's sometimes spoken of as the difference between um, doing and being. And it's not that that doing is bad. It takes some effort to get here, to arrive in the present moment. If you sit down and just say, well, if I'm mindful, I'm mindful. If I'm not, I'm not. You know, good luck to you. It probably won't be so mindful. I, I remember uh, hearing one meditation master, a Tibetan master, say, you know, practice is, uh, uh, is like manual labor. You know, you're just kind of bringing your attention back each time. Uh, but once you start to be familiar with what it's like to land in the present moment, you realize when you're here, any kind of efforting takes you out of the present moment. So it takes some intention and effort to be here. It's one of the, the aspects of the Eightfold Path is, is uh, wise effort. But when you're here, you can simply let go of the effort to make it a better moment and open up to it just as it is with a relaxed, as I say all the time, a relaxed and interested awareness. <clears throat> so tonight I, I want to particularly focus on um, two attitudes that I've been exploring lately in my own practice. <clears throat> It's usually how a Dharma talk comes about. You know, what am I looking at recently? And this is this is what um, what is really uh, up for me, uh, and that is the balance between the practice of contentment and the practice of feeling alive, which is another way of saying engaged with the world. And we can say that they're both important. Sometimes uh, one gets a bit more of an emphasis than another, depending upon who you're talking to or when you're speaking or what's going on. Uh, I gave a talk on contentment here uh, a couple of months ago and it's, it's such a a radical attitude to, to really let yourself be okay with how things are. Let yourself open up to the fullness of the moment just as it is where you don't need anything extra to make it a better moment or you don't need to take anything away to make it a better moment where it's just this moment of life can we open up to it as it is and learn as much as we can if it's a pleasant moment to not miss it, to really let ourselves connect and appreciate it without grasping for more. And if it's a challenging moment, can we let ourselves open up to it without struggle, without adding on an extra judgment and seeing how we can open up and finding a place of courage and willingness and compassion if that is 
uh, if that is called for, and forgiving the moment for being just the way it is, and learning that we have the capacity to be with that as well. Contentment is a, an incredibly powerful and transforming quality to practice. And just as a couple of reminders that I mentioned a couple of uh, those a couple of months ago when I gave this talk in the Mangala Sutta, where the Blessing Sutta, where it says to be content and grateful. This is a blessing supreme. Or in the Metta Sutta, let them be contented and easily satisfied. This is a a, a lovely. Uh, quality that can serve you whatever the moment is. It's just seeing the moment as complete as it is and allowing it to be here. And there's also, as I mentioned um, at that talk, um, besides all the, the encouragement for contentment that the Buddha gave, uh, he also gave an admonition uh, in one of his discourses where he says, um, two things I came to know well, not to be content with good states of mind so far achieved and to be unremitting in one's commitment to liberation. So it's good to be content, but not so content that you say, okay, well, that's cool. I, I, this is a nice life and I can just enjoy it as it is. Um, if you are truly in the game to wake up, then until there's no more greed, hatred, and delusion, the Buddha said, keep on going for it. He said, go for the highest happiness. Don't settle for just... Uh, the middling kind of comfort, go for true liberation. <clears throat> so contentment, although it's a wonderful attitude and quality, can lead to, this is not just in Dharma practice, but in one's life, can lead to complacency, can lead to apathy, can lead to or is akin to, can be akin to laziness. How, do you, how does that word strike you? you know? Uh-oh, you know, uh, lazy. And anybody tell you, stop being so lazy, right? That's certainly a, a motivator, right? <clears throat> laziness, procrastination, or denial. It's all cool. Because it takes, it takes some effort to extend ourselves and we can hide behind the, the facade of contentment. Oh, I'm a Buddhist and I'm practicing contentment and so I think I'll just be content to stay under the covers for the day. Um, I'm such a good Buddhist, yeah. <laughs> I don't need anything else, you know. And I think from time to time, that's okay. 
from time to time, okay, so you just see what that's like. Or maybe you're giving yourself, you need a, 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 mental, uh, a mental break. You know? I'm not saying that you're bad for, if you want to stay under the covers. You know? It's just if that's your basic default setting, then uh, you might take a look at it. I remember sometimes when I, w- when I was a kid, um, and it would, be a, uh, it would be a rainy day, and it was, at times I'd have this thought, oh, great, now I don't have to go out and do anything. You know, Sometimes my mother would say, why don't you go out there and do something w- with the day? It's a beautiful day. You know, And usually once I got out, it was like, yeah, it's hard to bring yourself back in. Um, so anyway, contentment has that side of dullness, laziness, disengagement, because things are just fine the way they are. The other side is feeling alive. Now, this is not specifically a, um, a, a mental factor or um, a quality that I can remember particular teachings in, uh, in the Pali Canon, although it's really the essence of mindfulness when you think about it. It's really waking up to your life. But the quality of aliveness is, um, is really what makes life rich and worthwhile. The quality of being engaged, and I'm not just talking about political engagement and social engagement, and those things, as we all know, uh, are are very uh, incredibly important. But even within our own personal life, feeling alive, and particularly for Dharma practitioners, um, sometimes the stillness is so valued that the activity um, gets, gets not as, as much airplay. I know this is one of the reasons why I ended up uh, teaching about awakening joy, because I, as I've shared here before, became very serious in my practice, dead serious in my practice. And I, I stopped feeling my aliveness for a while. And I saw that it wasn't just me, but that lots of times people can somehow get in touch with that stillness and think, oh, that's where it's at. And being active and engaged is, uh, you know, somehow not as uh, inspiring. We're feeling alive. When, when I thought about this, and I, I look at, you look at nature, nature is not stagnant. There's no moment that has stayed. Nature is always changing, continually transforming 
there's, you can't stop the life. And to, to realize that is who we are. Nature is expressing itself through us. Our very nature is aliveness. That if we're not honoring that, something gets stuck. And usually when we're stuck in that and there's not a flow, we get stuck in our heads. There's nowhere for that energy to go. And so what does it do? It creates thoughts and more thoughts and more thoughts. And if there's not a, an expansiveness, if, there's, if life isn't moving through us, the um, kind of solidification or the, the, uh, the stagnation of, of our energy, there's a contraction and those thoughts tend, can easily tend toward the negative. Unless you've been doing a lot of practice and you're, just, you're really practicing equanimity and contentment and that, again, has its value, but that's not the whole picture. And when we feel alive, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but when, when we feel alive, then we are, um, we're in harmony with life. And there's a, uh, we allow for life to move through us and we get out of the way. That's in the, in the best sense of this aliveness. When we're just... It's like life being creative all, all around us and, it, be, and, it's, and it, it uses us as well for that flow. We say, I'm sure you know the concept of flow. Uh, this guy, uh, Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi, uh, that's how you say his name. It's this long, long name that you pronounce Csikszentmihalyi, um, who... who uh, Develop this concept of flow that that is when we feel most uh, most connected when we're in the middle of activity and we're not even thinking about how we're doing it's just moving through us so I wanted to talk a little bit about this aliveness first I I love this quote from um, Howard Thurman perhaps you're familiar with don't ask what the world needs ask what makes you come alive because the world needs people who have come alive how are we around people who have come alive or who are alive I'm not talking about frenetic I'm not talking about agitated. I'm just talking about uh, a vitality that uh, comes through that is contagious, isn't it? That's one of the amazing things that our energies rub off on each other. And when you're around somebody who's, say, enthusiastic in uh, in a digestible way, Not over the top, like give me a break, but just passionate and can convey their passion to you. 
it's so cool being around them. Oh, yeah. It reminds us of our own passion or our, our own vitality. And it's, it makes us come alive. It's like, the way I see it, it's like life just awakening itself through these forms. And somebody who's very enthusiastic and passionate and, and radiates that um, loving energy, it's like it just finds that in us and awakens that in us and reminds us of that vitality in us. In my own life, um, I see how um, inertia works. You know the the famous uh, um, Newton's law of um, of uh, inertia that a body at rest tends to stay at rest, and a body in motion tends to stay in motion. And I see this with me. I mean, this is true confessions. It's like I can be very content with just being right where I am and it takes me a little something to get in gear. I don't know if other people have this phenomenon. Once I'm in gear, it takes something to stop, you know. Stop her. I can I can go, you know, uh, I, I can skip lunch and say, oh gosh, it's three o'clock. I, I think I'd better put something in my, my stomach because I'm, once I'm there, it's like I've got all of these things to do and, um, and I can get into it. And so this is an ongoing practice for me to both get over the hump of inertia and also know, okay, this is, this is enough now. Time to find some balance. And I've been uh, particularly exploring this, this quality of aliveness, uh, as especially as the, the year comes to an end and uh, there's a new year. Always with a new year, we have this kind of frame of, okay, where have we been? Where have we where are we now and what do we want to create? And uh, especially around Thanksgiving, you know, it is for me the, the best holiday to just really connect with how, how incredibly blessed our lives are. And you know, I, my life is so incredibly blessed. And I can be bored there can be a sameness. There can be a sense of, you know, oh, is that all there is? You know, And I've been seeing um, the importance of just getting excited about new things, you know, whether it's a new project or a new adventure or a new challenge or just a new way to express what wants to come through me, and it's different as I'm looking at this. It's different than, oh, this isn't enough. It's more like, as I think about it, this is why I'm talking about this topic, it's not out of a grasping, oh, I've got to do something really neat, but rather out of um, not wanting to just be 
settling for the routine, the familiar routine. And my routine is a wonderful routine, and I, I love doing what I do uh, and, and, and connecting with people and sharing and exploring together. Um, so there's no complaints here, but there's just this sense of <coughs> the... The, excite, the excitement at the possibilities that I don't know yet what's to come out of me, but I don't want to be so complacent that I get comfortable in that. And, and there are actually now a few projects that are coming up that are, I can see, this is, this is why it's, it's highlighting it so much, oh, there's this thing that's, it feels like that could be cool. That could be really interesting. Challenging could be a fair amount of work, but I think it'll be really very fulfilling if I do. And just having that in my consciousness, it's there's a a, a brightening and an enlivening that says, um, "Oh, this will be interesting just to see how it unfolds." I have no, I have some ideas and some you know, game plans and visions, but the fun is in doing it and seeing how it, how it turns out. So as I look at this aliveness, and I want us all to explore it, you know, can, can we have aliveness or engagement without grasping, without having a timetable and without having a report card but just this feeling of life using us, just the natural expression of who we are without blocking it. Uh, I was, uh, I don't know if you saw the, uh, any people see the Woody Allen uh, PBS special? Anyone see that? Yeah, it's, it's really, really good. Uh, it was on last week. Um, and it was so, it was amazing. Woody Allen, is, he was saying, uh, he can't walk down the street without jokes going through his head. He's oh, and he's always been this way. You know, people say, "How can you think of all those jokes?" He says, "I can't turn it off." When he was a when he was a kid and, and in school, and he um, he would write send in these jokes to uh, to the New York columnists Earl Wilson and Leonard Lyons and all. And when he, when he was Alan Stewart Konigsberg. But he, he didn't want his classmates to see his name, Alan Konigsberg, this joke. So he put Woody Allen. And he said, since somebody said, why don't you share your jokes in the newspaper? Since he was a kid, it just keeps on coming out. What's that? 50 jokes a day. He would write 50 jokes a day as a kid. And when he was, uh, uh, I think about 15 or 16, he he started getting paid $25 a week and he was making more than his, his family shortly after. It just keeps, where does that come from? Huh? And, and uh, uh, there's a, another uh, uh, expression of this. These are like the ultimate creativity coming through you. I remember um, seeing uh, Bob Dylan in an interview, he did an interview with 60, uh, for 60 Minutes with Ed Bradley a few years ago. It was f- really great. You can Google or on YouTube. And uh, 
And Ed Bradley says, Bob Dylan was talking about in the past tense. Uh, Ed Bradley was talking about songwriting and Bob Dylan was, was saying, uh, oh yeah, you know, when I, when I would write, I used to, when I'd write songs and they do, and this would be this feeling and that feeling. And Ed Bradley said, you, you're, you talk about it in the past tense, you know, like you're, you're, you've written lots of songs in recent years. He says, is there a difference? Why do you talk about it in the past tense? And, and Bob Dylan says, um, well, it's different now. And then he kind of rattles off the lyrics from uh, It's All Right, Mom, Only Bleeding. He says, you know, darkness at the break of noon, handmade blade, the child's balloon. He says, I can't do that now. And Ed Bradley said, wow, is that, does it sadden you? that you can't do that anymore? He said, no, I just kind of accept it. That was coming through me then, and I couldn't stop it, and now it doesn't come out the same way, and I'm okay with the way it is. I'm just grateful it was coming through then. It was, it was it's actually very, mo- he was so real in, in that interview, and it was, as a complete Bob Dylan fanatic, early Bob Dylan, I can attest, I know there was, at some point, things changed. But while it was coming out in that way, and I listened, still listen to a lot of Bob Dylan, early Bob Dylan, early Bob Dylan, um, it, it, you know, it, it, it made complete sense. But something was coming through him that wasn't him. And... Uh, those those are the ultimate examples of, but it's like something is coming through us that's not even us. When there is that feeling of aliveness and connection and flow, it's a real experience of the selfless nature of reality. To say, oh, I'm so creative you know, it's kind of missing the point. Where does that creativity come from? It's just that you're not blocking it. And it comes through each of us in its own way, where for some people it might be writing, for some people it might be dancing, for some people it might be loving, for some people it might be, you know, crocheting or what, whatever it is. It's like life wants to move through us. And if we block it, that's a, that's a real... Um, disservice to life but to allow it and encourage it and delight in it and trust in it and feel gratitude and awe for what we've been given and surrender and not identify with what it is that comes through ah this is what flow is about this is that feeling of aliveness so first I, I want to uh, ask us, ask you, uh, maybe close your eyes for a moment and uh, just reflect. When do you feel alive in your life? When do you feel most alive? And there's no right or wrong answer in this. When do you feel really alive and engaged? Yeah. 
What does it feel like in your body, in your mind? What is that feeling? Just not even that you can come up with a definitive answer, but just to rest in it and rejoice in it. You can feel alive. Okay, you can open your eyes and just take a few comments. There's one other thing I want to do with you. When do you feel alive? Really feel alive? Yeah. Oh, wait, here, why don't we, as long as, if you're going to say more than, and put it real close to your lips. I'm a preschool teacher, so... All these ideas come to me, and that's why sometimes it's hard to meditate because the creativity is there. Mm-hmm. And for the past five years, people ask me or my coworkers, how did you do that? How did you do those ideas? And I say, we did it. The kids are my teacher mm-hmm. because what I'm doing is coming from them, and I'm just listening. So I, I am grateful and... Children could be our teachers too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful, and it's just you can't stop it from the kids. Just oh, my me, me too. Yeah, I, I used to be a school teacher. I know. Yeah, yeah, and, and especially as a preschool teacher, you're around aliveness all all the time. <laughs> I hope you don't get too exhausted with it. But, okay, beautiful. And there it is, and, and there's an energy field of aliveness. Yeah, great, thank you. Anybody else? On the way in the back here, why don't you come on up for that? Oh, thanks, Daniel. We'll just take one more, and then I, th- this last one, and then we'll have to do something else. Um. It's funny because you were talking about Bob Dylan and you were talking about Woody Allen and and what flashed on me is, you know, when I'm doing anything creative, whether it's making pottery or, you know, doing some construction thing or, you know, somebody has a, you know, a task and, you know, they lay it on me, you know, and and then, you know, the wheels start turning, you know, and that's, you know, that's the juice. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what is so stimulating. Mm Mm-hmm. Just the wheels turning, and this wheel keeps on yeah. turning. W- big wheels, Proud big wheels. Wheel keeps on burning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah. It's just it wants to come through. Beautiful. Okay, so let's uh, let's make this a little bit more uh, relevant, and maybe as a practice for yourself. So just close your eyes one more time, and uh, just ask yourself. What, uh, what blocks or gets in the way of your aliveness? Nothing to feel ashamed about or bad. Just to see and name that. And then uh, what are the conditions that support you in accessing this aliveness, this feeling of letting life move through you.
is the more you can be aware of it. If you value it, then the more you can create the conditions for it to be experienced. It's not that you have to manufacture it. It's just creating the conditions that allow for life to move through you. Okay. Okay. And so what I'd like you to do, rather than hearing from me, I have a list of things that do it for me, but um, I'd much rather you hear yourself and hear uh, from each other. So if you feel like it, just turn to somebody near you. It can be three if you'd like, but uh, since there's not that much time, if you do either with one other person, one or two other people, I'll leave that up to you. And just for the next, oh, five or six minutes, we'll... I'd like you to explore what what might get in the way or what uh, what supports you in that feeling of engagement. Okay, so please.
Hey, just another minute or so, and we'll have to wrap up. Okay, in the interest of time, you can thank your partner and come on back. Um, well, it was a lot of energy here. N- nice to know. And one thing that's so clear is that connecting makes us come alive. Stepping outside of ourselves and just saying, oh, hi, you in there? I'm in here. Nice to know. How are you? And I'm sure lots of, lots of things that you might have come up with, whether it's inspiration or being in your body or having fun or letting creative expression move through you, lots of things. So uh, I, I just want to invite you to keep this in mind as part of your practice, letting the nature the natural way of things move through you. And if you feel yourself getting a bit um, heavy about practice, not that there are, I mean, there are times in our life where it is heavy. So I'm not saying to sugarcoat if you're going through a hard time, but if you're just kind of getting through life instead of coming alive, um, just the awareness itself, without the judgment, to get in touch with what really makes you come alive, like Howard Thurman says, and to see that can be balanced with real contentment. This is not a grasping. This is not, oh, I'm not doing it good enough. It's just to create the conditions where you're not blocking what wants to come through you and at the same time celebrating the moment just as it is, as I've shared a a number of times, Ram Dass's beautiful instruction for contentment, which is also the instruction for aliveness, is plumbing the depths of this moment, to plumb the depths of this moment, then that is both a connection with what's here and uh, a real um, wakefulness and celebration of this moment because you're fully here for it, as well as letting inspiration and and vision uh, move, help life move through you. So um, particularly as we head into this holiday season, uh, we we want to, uh, and a holiday season also this darkest time of the year, to know that um, life wants to radiate out from you too. 
So we'll just close with a very short loving kindness because it's a little after. Just feel your own being. Just know that you're alive. Start that way. It's pretty amazing. And let yourself enjoy that. Wow, I'm alive. And uh, just send some kind thoughts to yourself. May I fully express my gifts and share my love well. May I wake up to my true nature, life moving through me unobstructedly. And then to share well wishes to everyone here and out to include all beings. May all beings fully come alive. May they all wake up fully and know the highest peace and happiness. And may our coming here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings find happiness, peace, contentment, and aliveness. Thank you very much. Have a great week. See you next week. And stack the chairs very mindfully. Yeah. <laughs> and stack the cushions also very mindfully. <laughs>